Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Across the Pitch with myself, Dave Miller, and Mike Barrera, just to my uh, left or right. <laughs> we always so, mess yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, obviously, we're, we're here today. We're just here for a quick pre-recorded podcast. This will come out Friday evening, I believe. Yep. At some point, you know, it's just a bit of a casual one. You know, we're going to look at the news that has come out since Sunday's pod, you know, uh, with the sounding of Richard Odada and the news of Harris Madunian, obviously one of the Philadelphia Union favourites that played a big role, you know, in the Union's history in the MLS. Obviously, he played for a few years with the team. He is, appears to be returning back to Europe and he obviously will actually be playing the final game this weekend against the Union. So I guess it's sort of like an MLS, a testimonial for him in the MLS, which I'm sure... It will be a fantastic atmosphere to play, and I'm sure both sides will give him a great, you know, rounds of reception. And yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a shame to see a player like Harris go, but obviously, when fam- family is obviously uh, the more important thing when it comes between the game and that. So I mean, obviously, it's good to see that he's got the option, he's got the move to go back home to be close to his family and in his like later years in his career. Yeah, it's um, it is like full circle for him to finish off his career against the Union. Um, he's certainly a player that's still beloved by the Philadelphia fan base. Uh, you know, every time he comes to town, or every time we hear his name being mentioned, he's mentioned as one of the better Union players we've had over the past, you know, twelve years of existence. So uh, yeah. it's going to be a sad day. But he is, you know, obviously thirty-seven years old. He's getting older. His his career is coming to an end, as you you know, as all players do eventually. So it's good he goes back to his, you know, to to closer to home and can finish off his career where he wants to, of course, on his terms. But uh, it's it's unfortunate that they're not playing in Philadelphia this coming <coughs> weekend because that would have really been a nice send-off to him overall. At least one more, you know, one last goodbye for the Philadelphia fans. But, um, you know, it, I, it, he feels like he's been gone for so long. It's only been a matter of a few years, but it's – it's certainly someone that the union could use even to today's um, in today's system. You know, he's he's just a great passer, a great player, and, and even a better person. Yeah, I mean, again, as you said, he's been a fantastic player for the union the two, three years he was there, and again, a fantastic person as well. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be a shame to see. I mean, again, he's been in the MLS for five years now, yeah. but it's gonna be a shame to see a player of you know, his caliber going. Again, he's a long-term Bosnian international. Again, as we sort of spoke about, I think you've alluded to multiple times. He he had the best left foot Union players ever had since you know the emergent, before the emergence of Jack McNeil. So again, <laughs> his impact on the team won't be forgotten. I think again, you sort of see that's a, one of the good things about the Union, but well, great things about the Union, their fan the fan base is the fact that they don't forget players easily. You know, I mean, even some of the more unsung heroes, their names are you know their names stick amongst the fan base for years to come. So I mean. Like years, years following, you know, when they've been on the team. So it's again, it's a shame to see a player of his caliber leave, um, getting on in his, uh, you know, getting on later in his career. So you know, he's not near the standard he was again three, four, five years ago. But yeah, it's a shame to see. It's a shame to see him go, but it's great that he's able to be able to go back and be close to his family. Yeah, and you think that when you mentioned the the you know the fans' connection with these players. You have somebody like Casper Shabilko, who really didn't connect to the fans the same way someone like Stewart did, or you know Ali Bedoya. Yeah. They didn't have that chemistry with the fans. You know, maybe like casually in some ways, but it, it just didn't have that overall bond that you felt, and and you didn't have the the love for him as much as we do with with Harris and other players. So, um, 
it's certainly a, a franchise and a fan base that, yes, you go out there and you perform well and you, and you put up some numbers. That's great. But the, the union faithful and Philadelphia in general, this isn't just, this isn't just the union. This is also Eagles fans and Sixers fans yeah. with Allen Iverson or players like, you know, um, you know, Hugh Douglas or whoever's like, well, what other great players we can think of. They connected with the fans. They reach out. They became one of the, you know, part of that culture, part of that franchise. And that's why they're still beloved years later. That's why when Allen Iverson walks to a building, he is the man of the hour. Every single time he goes there, it's, it's the same thing for players like Bedoya will be the same exact way. When Bedoya yeah. retires or Andre Blake, they're going to walk into Chester and Super Park, and it's going to be all eyes on them again, just as if they were playing. So I know Harris, although not the same level as Andre Blake and Bedoya, again, as you, as you and I have now mentioned, uh, has a nice place in our in the union hearts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And before we, uh, you know, dive too far into the show, I think yeah, we got a little bit more to discuss. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you want to dive into the uh, ad reads. Yes, I will. Of course, we have to get we these out. Of- need to get paid. <laughs> we gotta get these things out of the way. Um, let me get. Oh, my mouse. Hold on, it's not plugged in. There we go. Okay, we got Manscaped, twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code AATBirds at Manscaped.com. We have Oddjam, the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits. They use an arbitrage calculator and more, so you never lose bet again. Sign up today at Oddjam.com. Following that, we have Statement Games. Check out Statement Games. Dot com for a fun new way to fantasy sports and entertainment. You win gift cards and prizes completely free to sign up today at statementgames.com. Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant in Allentown, PA, serving Italian cuisine, including pizza, pasta, burger, sandwiches, and more, available for pickup or delivery. Order today at Vinny's Pizza, PA.com. And last but not least, we have the Across the Pitch gear at the AAT Sports slash shop. They have t shirts, hoodies, mugs you know, decals, other other cool stuff. And I know Johnny's always pumping out new materials and new images to put out there uh, on the regular. So that is our sponsor reads for tonight. Exactly. And now we can move on to the other big news of today, which is uh, probably more exciting to union fans than the Harris Virginia news is the fact that they have signed a new player. Of course, uh, the player we're discussing is Richard Adada, the Kenyan international signed quite literally today, Tuesday afternoon, I believe around midday in uh, US Eastern time, he signed a two and a half year deal with a with a club option two other or club option two other years for them disclosed transfer fee and he will be taking up a designated player spot, presuming you know he gets the international clearance and the visa mm-hmm. um, visa confirmation and everything along those lines as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean again, it, he's a player that again he's very young, twenty one years old. Uh, he's, I think that the word. I mean, again, he's inexperienced, but he's played games as well. I mean, he's got he's had experience, but he's not you know 150, 200 games in his career yet. Uh, it's a strong signing, I'd say. I think it's a signing that Union fans can't be too. He's a young player that Ernest Times truly believes has uh, a lot of potential. There, Mike. Obviously, what would you make of the signing? As I'm saying this and going to read, uh, you know, tell you my thoughts and everything, I'm actually going to read you a quote that I saw earlier today regarding this. And if I can find it real quick, I will just read it off real fast. Um, let me see here. Oh, no, I don't have it. But either way, I'll get to it. I'll get to it in a minute and find this for you guys. But when I think about this this sign and this deal, I think of the, the future of Philadelphia and what this franchise is going to look like in a couple of years. As we've talked over the past, you know, year and year and a half, players like Kai Wagner, Jose Martinez. These are players that we expect to be gone within the next 
calendar year, right? Next 12 months, six months. Oh, I found the quote. Here we go. This is from uh, Jacob Mali, the Harambe coach. He says, I've never seen such a midfielder in Africa for a long time. And for sure, he is one player who I believe will make it into the top, top leagues in Europe. He won the midfield battle. He was accurate in his passing. He had the hunger. And that is what we were looking for as a team. So, I mean, that's a pretty high praise that came out from Paul Catrino. Uh, he does for um, suffer a brotherly game. So just you know, a, a quote about him from, you know, a name that obviously knows him well. But um, we have to plan for the future. And you think of you think of the local. Let's let's look at let's look at the union compared to the local teams. Right. Dave, you're a big Eagles fan. They go yeah. ahead and they win the Super Bowl. What do they do the next year or two years? They didn't really get younger. They kind of just kept the old heads. They put some band-aids on there. They didn't really prime themselves for the future. You can argue the no. same thing with the Phillies entering the 2012 season. They were kind of getting older. The farm system was pretty depleted. You can go look at all these teams, all these franchises, and see what they've done wrong. Now, I'll take a step back and say as well, Ernest Tanner has brought in a few players such as Davo, you know, uh, Jesus Bueno, who haven't really panned out. Oh, but bitch. yeah, exactly. But but I would argue that this player in particular has a higher potential ceiling than the rest of them that they've that they've been uh, that he's been brought uh, brought into the franchise. And he, like you mentioned, he has some experience. He has five national caps with the Kenyan team. Very impressive for somebody that age. And he does seem to fit the mold of someone who we would want to replace Jose Martinez. Now, yes, you have Leon Flock, of course, but the more depth, the better, as we've seen so far. Yeah. And as we've also seen, as I just mentioned, these players that, earn, uh, that Tanner has brought in have not always been a guarantee of late. Yeah. As a whole, yes, of late, no. So I'm very excited. I think he could be a, a great fit for this this club. And I, and I do believe that Tanner wants a player at the six that is more similar to uh, Martinez in the sense that he's offense, he has an offensive attack that will benefit the franchise as Jose has uh, currently this year in the past yeah. years compared to Flock, who is much more of a defensive-minded player. I think as well. It's, I mean, again, like if you look at the experience, I mean, you mentioned he's played for yeah. the Kenyan national team. But again, he's played a good standard of football. He's been playing in Serbia, which in Europe, again, it's one of the more Eastern European leagues. Um, but again, it's a good standard. I mean, you get some good, there are some good East, uh, Serbian teams out there. And again, he was on the books of Red Star Belgrade, which were, are pretty much the top team. They are the gold standard of Serbian football. They regularly win that league every single year. So again, I mean, he's only played two games for them. But clearly, they saw potential, enough potential in him to bring him over from Kenya mm-hmm. to you know actually have them on the, on their books. Uh, again, it seems like an exciting pickup for now. And yeah. I think at the moment, from the looks of it, again, as you mentioned, Jesus Bueno, I don't know if this is an indication that that experiment might be ending or Bueno is a lot further off or further away than anticipated him being. But, uh, yeah, I think, again, I think at the moment, Adada could very much just be a Union 2 signing, you know, just playing in the Union 2 just to get acclimatised to the MLS before he actually goes up into the, you know, the first team. But, again, I think, again, if you listen to what Ernest Tanner said in his, like, when discussing the signings, basically just sort of, he really did highlight the versatility of the player. So it's not just he can play in the field, he can play at centre-back as well. And he's a very quick athletic player. So I think, again, that, that has played a big role in the signing as well as the fact that he's not just restricted to one position. He can fit in, he can fill in, in at the centre-back position or in the eight for the union if he's needed as well. So I think it's a good 
it's it's a signing that obviously is looking ahead towards the future. But again, it's a one that you know can plug and play in different holes as well, sort of similar to the likes of Leon Fluck and Jack Elliott, where we've seen them do different uh, roles in the past as well. Exactly. So you, I think you have to also think about the the versatility of a lot of the players that we have on this roster, as well as the Union Two. And for those who don't really follow the Union Two, a lot of the players, such as Nathan Harriel, uh, Quinn Sullivan, Paxton Aronson, Brandon Craig, Cole Turner. All these players who are on the first team, either on the reserves or playing, are pretty frequently active on the Union 2. I mean, Nathan yeah. Harrell had the game-winning assist for the Union 2 just a couple days ago, which was a beautiful yeah. goal, by the way. I think by Stefanovic or however however you pronounce his name. I can't think of it right now. Excuse me. But um, he, the, Tanner likes versatility. Jim Curtin likes versatility. We've seen it from a lot of our players who are able to play multiple position, multiple positions. But there's there's a saying where iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You want your farm system to be strong, and you want competition. And just like draft picks, I know you and I talked to Chip the other day, right? You know, yeah. draft picks don't mean anything to the union, but what does mean something to the union is their academy, their their second team, their first team. These players on these rosters are their draft pick so to speak and you're not all you're not going to hit on every single one of them right or you could argue cole turner cole turner excuse me is one of those players that really hasn't panned out but having yeah. this constant depth and this constant competition like players like darbo or Sorensen or all these amazing prospects that we have iron sharpens iron and you want somebody of this magnitude of this talent coming in and say hey guys listen i'm here to i'm here to now take a roster spot from one of you and that will only hopefully increase the play of players like Bueno or yeah. Cole Turner, just the same way we saw with Nathan Harriel and Olivia Mambizo. We thought Olivia was done. He's come back now with a vengeance, and Curtin trusts him again to be on this in this in the starting lineup for a more offensive-minded attack. So I, I love that Tanner is not satisfied with the farm system we have in place. He wants to yeah. continue to grow it, which is which is great. I think again, in some situations, as we have mentioned before as well, like. Uh, Jose as well, I think it's not just looking ahead. I think in, in some sort of situations, you can't just sit there and rely on the academy to produce the players that you need. Yeah. Um, so again, you need to be proactive. You need to go out in the transfer window and look at players that won't only just come in and play a squad role or a bench role or a starting role. Players that will you look to have towards the future. I think Adada is exactly that sort of signing. Um, but again, I think he is signed he has been signed with the view to the future that okay, Jose will be sold soon. So again, he's gonna be a player that we can use in the union too, a player, you know, that we can take advantage with and actually develop and you know bring on without having the pressure of having to force him into the team early or making up the numbers. So I think that was is potentially something that has hurt Sergio as hurt Jose's bonal, sorry. Um because yeah. again I think he came in with a lot of expectation after the permanent signing of okay he's gonna play week in Always going to fill in quite often for Jose or Leon, whoever. And he hasn't done that. He's bad to play at all. I think he made his first appearance of the weekend. Yeah, he played a couple minutes the other day. Um, thought he was a little, I, I wouldn't say jittery, but he certainly seemed like kind of, you know, excited to be out there. I know he had one turnover, which he actually made up for very nicely with the turnover himself. He kind of forced yeah. the ball back. But Bueno really hasn't seen a lot. I from I don't watch Union 2 games nearly enough as I should, considering I covered the team. I just don't have time yeah. to. Um, but I have heard from fans who do watch the union too, that he's not necessarily blowing anybody away. You know, he's, he's just an average player overall. So 
I, and also, Dave, you're talking about the future and Jose Martinez. We had to think about Bedoya's contracts up this year. Yeah. Jack McGlynn is now the hottest prospect in the entire nation. Leon Flock is getting attention. You have players, you know, Quinn Sullivan, Pax Aronson. Your midfield, as crowded as it is, is also very much a hot topic across yeah. the entire globe of soccer. Where's McGlynn going to go to? Is Bedoya going to come back next year? Jose Martinez is going to go. You have a good discussion for every single one of your players on this roster, including Daniel Gazdak. Yeah. You have to be prepared for the absolute worst, and I think this is what Tanner is doing, is, is having a stockpile of talent. So that way, when that right price comes for Kai Wagner or Jose Martinez, he has an ex-person ready to, to fill in that role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, as you said, there are the question marks around the likes of Adoy and Jose Martinez going, not just in the summer, but at the end of the season as well. I think, again, it's you don't know what Bedoy is going to be doing in the end of the season. I think it's unlikely that he would retire. I think he no. probably will stick around for another year, maybe even two. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, you never know in the game of football. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, again, Adada is obviously, as we've seen, he's quite inexperienced still. He's played some games at a good level, some inexperienced. So there's going to be that room for growth. Yeah. I don't expect him to you know, come straight into this team straight away. I could probably imagine he'll probably train for a few weeks, get acclimatised once everything's gone through. Uh, probably fill in with the Union too and get game time there. Uh, hopefully alongside Jesus um, Bueno and see them get some minutes together. But yeah, I think I, it's definitely a look towards the future. And I think, again, as we discussed Jose Martinez, he was a similar... Again, he, we could compare him to Jesus Bueno in the sense that when Jose, when Jose really signed, he barely even played when he came into the team. He really struggled to break, you know, make a break into the Union sort of lineup, And he sort of... I think it was the LAFC game, which was the yep. final game before the COVID, before that COVID shut everything down globally, where he actually came in and made an made a name for himself and he really shone in that game. But you know, you look at then you sort of fast forward a little bit and you look towards uh just a few months later in the MLS back cup, which is when not only sports sort of started to return, but the MLS sort of stood alone by itself in terms of a global sense where the holes would stop, the MLS was played at accessible times globally, everyone was able to watch it, it was available like globally as well and the MLS yeah. back up was a moment not just for Jose to shine but for the union to shine itself and I think that's such a obviously if we well we're gonna look back at the MLS back cup and just sort of the impact it's had on the union before we close on the close out the podcast because not only did it help form in the word here not only did it sort of help set up the union for the success they had since that sort of tournament and the success they've had in the last couple of years I think it helped you no, know, quite, um, you know, quite players and you know fan favorites. I think you look at yeah. again Jose Martinez. I believe he played in practically most of the games in that tournament, having only played once beforehand or started one game beforehand against LAFC. Um, again, like for you, what were your sort of lasting memories in that tournament? Because again, I think it was one that unfortunately ended in disappointment. But I mean, it it, it did. No, it's, I I think that's a great point. I th- but it also, if you had told me. In 2016 or 17, that you'd have one of your union players playing for Leeds, and you'd have you know prospects playing for the U.S. Youth National Team and playing well. Um, if you told us players like Mika Ua and Gazdag and Carranza would have a combined 27 goals, and yeah. the defense would be elite. I mean, if you told 
any one of us from tw- from the 2010 era on to you know now maybe like 2017 2016 if this was possible we'd all laugh in your face and tell you to you know go hop off some medication that you're on because clearly you're crazy right i mean there's no shot yeah. that this could be our franchise and i think the the mls's back term for one was something that we craved we craved sports again right we craved having the thrill of sports yeah but to watch your team who you have not seen play or, or just any in general play to perform so well and, and pull off these, these great wins and, and make it to the semis was, was awesome. And you felt for the first time that you had a bright future, which obviously they did. They won the supporter shield. They went to the Eastern conference finals last year, this year, they're being compared to the San Antonio Spurs as terms of the franchise that builds, you know, from within and develops these players and have these core team values and all that stuff. I mean, to see where this team has gotten to over three years in terms of notoriety, the talent they've brought in, the coaching, and Curtin's gotten better too. I mean, yeah. that tournament, MLS's back tournament, was that first domino to fall in what would be a very successful couple of years, yeah. which, again, you look, and then also the players. You look at the transition of players and how these players have grown and developed, and now the depth that you have now, it's – it's remarkable what has happened over the mass over a matter of two and a half years. Really, it's only, it hasn't been that long. It really hasn't. No. <laughs> but I think again, as I sort of as we mentioned again, it hasn't been that long. But again, it was as you said, sort of the first time we were able to see teams back. And before that, you know, the Union were, you know, in that playoff hunt. They were in the third, fourth, fifth seed sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. But this was not only the first time that we. This was sort of the first time that the MLS in general had gotten a, a proper global. Or you oh, know, yeah. sort of national exposure, like in itself, because it stood alone for a while. I mean, the NBA um, going into the bubble didn't come back until pr- practically the end of the tournament. Really, yeah. there was a couple of like playing games beforehand, but the actual MLS, the actual NBA didn't start until after the tournament finished. Baseball didn't really clash with it. Baseball sort of was played at different times, but again, like, every single game was accessible in countries like the UK, mm-hmm. which was so fantastic because again, you sort of see the MLS at times. And you only get like a selection of games unless you want to watch on the gambling app. And sometimes it is difficult to focus watching yeah. like on the gambling app over here because it doesn't you don't have any commentary. You don't really know the players, you don't know what's going on. Every game is accessible for free. You could watch every well, you could watch every game is accessible on like sport and TV. You could watch every single union game, which is what I did. And again, I'd always followed the union for a few years. I'd watch the games when I could, but again. They're playing mostly at like 12 o'clock in the week and right. half 12, 1 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday and things such as that. And it's, it was diff- it's always difficult to keep a, like, a track on. So, again, during COVID, you were able to sit down and actually watch the tournament and focus upon it. And that was sort of the first time that I really like consistently watched Union play. And, again, I loved it. Watching, I, I loved watching it. It was fantastic to see them. playing so well and yeah 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 I, I think also what makes the union enjoyable to watch is their culture and the, t- and the team ball that they play um a lot of uh, for people who will follow on twitter and, and kind of been seeing the, the hype of the union lately the comparison that's going around right now is the union the san uh, or san antonio spurs of the league right now while lafc is the lebron james miami heat you have one team that is packed with talent it's unbelievable talent from top to bottom they could just kick everybody's butt and you have the union who is a team as coach Curtin has talked about for us to succeed all 11 players have to sacrifice all 11 players have to play their hardest that is how the union win and as you saw against houston 
Every player made an impact. Every player kicked butt from top to bottom. Um, and it's 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 remarkable. And I and I think people really do enjoy watching that team ball rather than the glorified celebrities and all stars play. They they enjoy watching the purity of the game, which yeah. can be boring sometimes. I get it. You know, the San Antonio Spurs, for as successful as they were, were not the most fun team to watch. But no. they took care of the fundamentals. They did everything the right way. Players like Tim Duncan and Manu and Parker, they were flashy at times, but at the same time, they were also very much fundamentally based. Whereas LeBron's throwing alley-oops at Dwayne Wade. And, you know, you have all these Ray Allen is obviously a big name. So to have the comparison to a team like the Spurs, a franchise like the Spurs is very high praise. And, um, and I think, I think people do enjoy watching that, especially around here in Philly, where you have that, toughness that mentality that team building that you know camaraderie is very important for us we don't want a, a celebrity-based flashy team we want a team that fights for you and, and bleeds yeah. for you and that stuff and, it's, and currently led by alejandro <laughs> bedoya that's what we have we have that well-led gritty team which we which we all have fallen in love with yeah exactly. i think again it was the kickstart you said it's always great it's a team that exemplifies philadelphia as a hard gritty team it gets down. It gets down to the nitty gritty. It gets down to business. It doesn't, you know. They they again. It, again, it's the perfect sort of Philadelphia city. You know, Philadelphia's a tough, hard-working, grinding city that you know isn't always the prettiest when it does stuff, but it will do stuff. It will be successful. And again, the union exemplify that, and it's a team that perfectly, you know, represents the city. Um, but again, you know, looking back at that mess back tournament as well, it also put some other players on the map that perhaps hadn't done as much as well. Do you know what I mean? Again, I think, again, you look back at the past as well and some of the Open Cup runs that the year had been on and got into a couple of finals and lost. But again, this is probably one of the only real times that we'd seen the Union, you know, compete in, in the recent years, you know, heading up into this sort of run under Jim Kerr and actually, you know, go toe-to-toe, head-to-head with some of the best teams in the MLS and actually competing with some of these better teams and actually going and get, getting results against them. So again, you know, they brought in Sergio, um, in 2019, again, COVID somewhat cut everything short. Yeah. And obviously he came back into the MLS's back cup and he scored pretty much in every single game in the knockout round. Yeah, played well. Uh, helps, you know, he helped, essentially his goals fired the Union through into the uh, semi-finals, really, in the knockouts. He sort of became sort of a hero in that sort of period and he followed that form on into the, into the MLS uh, following season and helped yeah. the team actually... Uh, you know, secure the support shield because I believe he was the top goal scorer of the year. The Union was won the actual support shield, and I think so. I, I forget now. I got looked that up. Um, yeah, but he was he was a big contributor, as you said. Yeah. He was he was obviously played an important role, and also that this was the start of when Tanner began to really get the trust of Philadelphia yeah. because the players he was bringing in were making an impact. Jameer Montero being one, the academy was beginning to make an impact. Brendan Aronson, Mark McKenzie. And even though people criticized Tanner when he did sell Brendan and he did sell McKenzie and then really didn't do anything, he kind of just put it into the academy. Yeah. And he received all that criticism, which I get it, you know, fine. But you see what the end product has now become. <coughs> the end product, I say that lightly, you know, the current product has become. Yeah. You 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 gain the trust of 
the, the union faithful. For the first time ever, the union had faith in their front office to go out there and make the right moves. You know, you got the you got the shield, and now you have people like Ua who comes in, and at first people are like, "Oh no, he's not scoring, he's not seeing the field," and then he takes off. Same with Daniel, same with Kai, same with all these players he's brought in. Have he's assembled this championship winning team, and again, the trust in a front office as a Philadelphia fan is not something that we really have. We have Howie Roseman, we have the Phillies, we have all this kind of stuff. It's as you've known, been very much hard to trust front office. So to, to have yeah. the faithful uh, union fans talk so highly of Tanner is a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. I think, again, again, as you sort of mentioned, again, union were the team that really did lack the trust and belief of the team, of the, like, the fans lacked belief and trust in the organisation and the team for a long time, you know. The, the relationship between the team and the owner hasn't always been the prettiest, I think. Again, I think no. Union fans would probably agree with that um, a lot. I mean, again, it, they could you know, the accusations, you know, they perhaps aren't spread enough to compete and things such as that. But again, it's just the way that the, you know, the Union have always worked. It's, yeah. And now you're starting to see again, they're starting to spend a bit more money now. We've seen with players like Akelu, I imagine four or five years ago, even in 2020, in the MS's back tournament, you know, the Union going out and spending X amount of money to sign the top goal scorer in the Danish Super League. Would have probably been, <laughs> would have been a fever dream. It, it would have been, and and it didn't. It like I said, it doesn't seem possible to have what we have now. But it's funny because the Sixers are so known for trust the process, right? Yeah. But and when in reality, the Union are the epitome of trust the process. Here's Coach Curtin. We're going to just trust him to make the system work. Here's Tanner. We're going to make sure that these prospects work. We're just going to trust, 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 and. Granted, the union have not won anything besides a supporter shield, which is great, fantastic. But there's obviously bigger goals yeah. ahead, you know. But this has been a trust the process type of decade for the union, and I don't, I don't think people really understand that. Sometimes they kind of forget it that we really had to grind this last seven years out, and to get yeah. to where we are now, I mean, we put a lot of faith in what and what these this front office and coaches staff wanted to do, and it's. It's a tips, you know, hat, tip your hat to them. It's become putting them in the, in the argument for top three team in the entire league, which is yeah. again not something that we'd ever thought was possible on a consistent yeah. basis. It's now been a consistent <coughs> basis over the past three years. Exactly. I think, you know, as you said, like nothing you could have imagined the last three, four years. This sort of the way this team we played now, the way it's set up now, and the way how successful it has been. Because I think, again, I know we say, oh, the team's only won one support shield in. This sort of two and a half year span, but again, first ever support shield. The team made its first ever Eastern Conference Finals. This team got to the Concacaf Champions League semi-finals and played arguably the biggest team in the continent in Club America. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Like again, those sort of three things again. Five six years ago, you told your Union fan, or you looked, you told yourself five six years ago, Union will do in a two and a half year span. Like okay, global pandemic gets. Union go into some sort of tournament like preseason style tournament to get everything back together to get some like, attention back on the MLS and they you know they get to the semi-finals of that and put in a really good show and they win the following year the support that season the support shield then go on to do that and the you know they then go on to the CONCACAF Champions League gets the semi-finals and that and play Club America which I know to you is such a big team and the year after that you know they get to these then that same year, sorry, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then again this year, they're looking to, you know, 
break defensive records. They're looking to win the Sports Shield again, go further. I don't think I think many Union fans would have probably laughed in your face. And again, yeah. you look at look at the players that have left as well. Brendan Aronson going on to play for Leeds United. Do you know what I mean Mark McKenzie going off to Club Bruges and it would have been a fever dream for a lot of people. Yeah, the, the Club America home game was something that was kind of um I don't know, unforgettable in a lot of ways. But again, you know, yeah. the reason so for those if you're wondering why we're going down memory lane so much, it it is a weird Full circle, I know full circle, I guess changing the guard to see someone like Harris retire. We've seen obviously Ray Gaddis retire and all these players, you know, move on. Yeah. El Senio, who I have on my shirt, El Senio kind of move on <laughs> and have players like, you know, uh, Adada and all these new young prospects come in. It is, it, it is, it is time to kind of look back over these last couple of years and see where we've come from with those players and how we are now. But the Club America match in particular, you know, as people know, I'm, my family's from Mexico. I'm, you know, Mexican international fan to some extent, right? You know, I follow them every now and then. And and more importantly, um, Memo Ochoa is a, is a, you know, a legendary goalkeeper from Mexico. He's had such amazing performances. And to see him live, not more than a hundred yards in front of me, you know, saving a penalty kick in front of, for Jamiro Monte, was it Jamiro, right? The penalty kick? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, to see, to save the penalty kick. It was it was like this is our team, the union. This the union are hosting Club America, a team that my family from Mexico have supported and 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 talked about for decades now. You know, yeah. uh, again, it's it was it was one of those moments. A CCL was a great uh, example of how the union have now had these little tasks, these quests along the way, and they've risen to the occasion every time. Now the next step is the MLS Cup. That yeah. is their goal this year. There is either win a cup or failure. In my opinion, we've reached that status. You either bring home, you at least go to the finals, or this was a, a forgotten year, a lost year, in my opinion. Yeah. It's simple as that. No, absolutely great. I think, again, you see the way the team's set up this year. It's not losing games and when they possibly should be. If they're not winning, they're not losing, which is what you want in your team. Um, honestly, it's been an incredible year to sort of, you know, the players that they've signed, and it's exciting to see a player like Adada is starting to, you know, um, you know, sort of shows that they're still looking towards the future while trying to win now, which is so important. And you probably see a lot of teams, as we mentioned, the Eagles before, when they won the Super Bowl, it wasn't, we're going to try and win now, but also going to prepare for the future. It was win now, win now, win now. Do you know what I mean? The off-season sort of signs they made the following year after Super Bowl, Mike Wallace, uh, you know, um, Halati and Gata trading from Golden Tate. They're all sort of win now moves in the panic to, especially the Golden Tate trade in the panic to, you know, try and stay on top of the uh, NFL and yeah. it wasn't it didn't pay off and again we sort of saw the 2020 season sort of the culmination of all of that falling flat in its face and you know that sort of team being so far gone that it you know it wasn't going to be able to sort of recover in one year or two so again we've had sort of a tier rebuild the Eagles now that's starting to look back up again the you know, trying to avoid that mistake there trying to stay on top they're trying to get the right places in now and you think of being a consistent winner. So if you look at teams like the, the Spurs, the Warriors, yeah. the Patriots, um, the Yankees, you know, even the, you know, certain teams like the Braves back in the 90s, you know, the teams that were consistently dominant, consistently good, they did it for long stretches because they, const- they were constantly rebuilding. Yeah. And the reality of it, a team like the Spurs under Greg Popovich won, I think it was five titles out of, you know, the 15, 20 years or whatever that, that Pop was coaching with Duncan and, and Robinson combined. Statistically speaking, they've lost more than they've won, right? 
same with the, the Patriots and the Yankees, anyone else, any other team you can think of, but they were still relevant for such a stretch of time. And for the union, if they wanted to reach that status, they, they need to win at least two or three titles in these next decade or so to be considered a team that really was a dominant force for that six and a half, seven year spanner window, whatever you want to call it. So this is the beginning of this window that's opening up for the union. And now they have to, as you said, not just use band-aids consistently find out the right moves at the right times and see where their holes will be and are currently. Um, And again, to be compared to the Spurs and to be, to be put on this this pedestal by the big the big you know the big wigs of of the um of the the Twitter media and of the in the sports world is is exciting man I, maybe maybe we never will win an MLS Cup maybe these next five or six years will be you know nothing <laughs> but disappointments but tell you what it's gonna be a hell of a ride it's gonna be yeah. a, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch absolutely I think as you said though I think like you have you have to try and you know, try your best to try and hit I think again if the Union had I mean Davo was again I mean, We'll say what it is. It was a bust. It was a bit. The signing wasn't very good. But if the union just said, "Okay, we've got a striker here. Darvo's been with us for a few months. We can carry on developing him, whatever," and they just settled, they wouldn't have got Mikel Duarte. They wouldn't have got Julian Carranza. Again, seeing someone perhaps like Darvo fail, perhaps made Ernest change his approach a bit in terms of the sort sure. of quality or standard of players he went out for instead of you know going out for those young South American unknowns that haven't really performed before. And you know we need to get some better. Cause again, they, we saw yeah. the union last year at key points in the season where they were just down to one striker and Casper Shibirko. And again, I look about, I look on, I look upon Casper perhaps more fondly than other union fans. Cause I think he's rolling this team yeah. in that two years before he obviously left it was so important. I don't think it, no Casper Shibirko, no support shield. Union aren't where they are now that Casper Shibirko might some people might say it's unpopular, but I think that's sort of the case. But he wasn't always the most clinical, he wasn't always the best striker, he didn't always play the best, but I think he was so important. But again, it didn't perhaps you know, seeing someone like Darvo come in struggle to, you know, actually not only acclimatize to the MLS, but actually just not being anywhere near good enough because clearly he wasn't if he wasn't even getting to the squad when the union didn't have a single striker in the team in, in the club fit. Uh, it perhaps changed his or altered his transfer strategy to go out and get more proven players in attacking positions or just in general. So again, as I said, you get Julian Quanza, you get Bikerua, two signs again to say two, three years ago, probably unthinkable sign. And now you know you even signed a guy that cost into Miami fifteen million dollars and was only replaced by Higazada Higuain because he got because he got injured. And Bikerua, who was the top goal scorer of the Danish Super League last year. And you, if again, it, it's hard not to compare it to other local teams. And I'm going to compare him to Howie Roseman. We've seen Howie make the stupidest draft picks. We've seen him pick up these players who don't work out. We've seen him make all these, you know, fumbling moves over this past, you know, decade or so. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like he ever learned. Same thing like drafting a linebacker. Like they never, Eagles never really seem to give a crap about linebackers when it's obvious that that's an important position for the, for any NFL team. Yeah. To your point, Tanner has missed on Orvik and Davo and maybe Bueno and maybe even Riosco, but he's not settling. Just force them into the into the picture. He's saying, "Okay, how can I do things differently?" He's obviously adjusting, finding different style of players, or at least trying to bring in more talent. And honestly, he's he's hit more than he's missed by yeah. by a long stretch. He's obviously hit more yeah. than he's missed. So I think the, I was 
Cross yeah, off. I think obviously the clearly the big position he struggled to, you know, find a player or find a sort of backup or a replacement, potential replacement, is defensive midfield position. Yeah. Orovich failed. Obviously Bueno's going through a tough time and it's like that experiment might be coming to an end soon or that's just settling for him to being like a fringe union to desperation. If we need you in the squad, we'll, need, we'll bring you in. Now, hopefully Adana can be the guy that can come in and, you know, make that spot his and be, you know, be a solid backup. And, you know, if Jose Martinez is injured, or they've got a centre-back crisis, they'll go, so they'll go, okay, we'll drop Leon in, we'll play Jack McGlynn there, or whatever. Or we'll play, you know, Quinn Sullivan there. We'll bring in Richard Odada and we'll play Odada here because we know he can do the job for this team and we know he can do it really well. Hopefully that is the case because, again, I think they really do need to start preparing for this Jose Martinez departure because if it's not going to come in this summer, it's going to come in the winter. And if they aren't prepared for it, they could get caught lacking in terms of the midfield depth or going. And and that's where this team has been a lot of fun to watch, man. Watching these, Watching every single position have depth this season has been... Weird to be honest with you. I mean, even I mean, I would say the weakest depth position we probably have is that forward. Corey yeah. Burke is very much eh, okay, you know, he's all right, he has his moments, he'll have a goal here or there, but that's the weakest position we have. And if you think about the entire roster from top to bottom, if that's the weakest spot you have, eh, it's not terrible. And yeah. as we've seen, Jim Curtin has adjusted this formation of the 4 2 3 1 pretty well i thought he i thought the formation that he put out for the first time and i think maybe who knows when to have mcglynn and jose back there to have only karan's up top i think that was a a bit of curtain also adjusting saying hey listen i don't really have the best striker depth let me now just take one of them out leave one of them in and then build around that rather than trying to force burke up there with somebody else rather than trying to force donovan up there with somebody else yeah i thought that was <laughs> i thought that moment right there too though it seems you know simple or insignificant overall. I think that's a good sign for Curtin that he's, or even, even the Bedoya move, the fact that Bedoya has been brought back a little bit further to allow the right back to go further up. He mentioned that, uh, I think in the DC United game, it's these moves that we really haven't seen yet. And this, this shift from the norm that we really haven't seen yet. That has been a very nice surprise. And coincidentally, Dave, they've been winning. Is that one? I think, again, I think the future of that left-hand side as well, or that left side of position, really does depend on what happens with Kai Wagner. Because Kai Wagner goes and they get a left-back in who, and if they keep Matt Real over, they get a left-back in that's probably a better defender than they are an attacking player. Um, so like a Megadis-type player, whatever. I think the Union probably will perhaps be with more have a more attacking, exploring option there, like a Jack McGlynn or Paxton Harrison or some of that. They will have the creative freedom to push up the pitch as opposed to having Leon Flack, who's more defensive minded and a player that allows Kai Wagner to go up and do what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you mentioned we've seen Bedoya perhaps take that sort of position or role a bit more often in the recent in recent weeks, but again, yeah. that's allowed his game to improve as well. But I think, sure. yeah, um, I think that that sort of I think the future of the midfield as well, I think it depends a lot on what happens with Kai Wagner in the next couple of transfer windows and who they actually bring in to replace Kai Wagner. Because if you see more attacking-minded player, I could see Leon Flack staying out there. If it's more defensive-minded, sort of left-back and Ray Gallis-type player or Alvis Powell-type player, you could perhaps see a more attacking-minded player with a thing. That's sort of a big sort of area to look at going into the future. It's huge. I mean, Kai has, what, 11, 11 assists or 10 assists on the year, right? I know he's in double digits of, of assists. 
think about it, you know, double digit goals that he's contributed to off free kicks, off crosses, off whatever. And that's a massive hole offensively to fill. Kai Wagner's yeah. top four or five most important player on that roster every single week. I mean, yeah. and, and even not even just offensively, defensively speaking, he's extraordinary. So you really are missing a big piece when he does leave, which will be eventually. He will eventually see that door. So it's if you're not going to refill his position with someone in the offensive minded way, such as, you know, Leon Flock, for example, then you better have a midfielder that can produce. That's, I mean, you, you just simple as that. You need to have someone like Jack McGlynn out there who can go out there and score some goals because That's you're going to miss or, or assist to, to put, you know, to get that production back. Yeah, I think again, you said you. That's going to be a huge area of concern and something that you're going to have to look towards in the future. If you know Kai, you, you fail to replace Kai Wagner efficient efficiently, because if you don't get a player that could you know can somewhat at least replicate or do something near to what he can produce, you know again I think he's got 11, 12 assists this year, a couple of goals. You're going to struggle to find a left back as productive as that. And again, do I think Jack McGlynn's a player that's going to, you know, come in and get 20 assists or 15 assists and a few goals? Probably not. I think it's too early in his career to sort of put that responsibility on a player like him. But again, I don't think he is the sort of player, hopefully we'll find out sooner or later, but I don't think he is the sort of player, you know, to be on the left-hand side, you know, beating players. I think he would probably fit better in the 4 3 3 1 sort of system as a deep line playmaker and getting the ball out wide to other players. So, again, maybe losing Kai Wagner could see a change of system, maybe, which then allows you to fit Flark, McGlynn, and Adada into the same system. And, you know, we see Gunnarstag, whoever out there, and you never know. But I think, again, it's an exciting time. But as long, hopefully, the Union can keep a hold of these European bound players for as long as possible. Yeah, I I agree, and it's funny because we really, when you think about, it, we really haven't seen much of this team without Kai Wagner. He's been yeah. in almost every single game of these past couple of years, and it's he's consistent. He's consistently present, and I think when you think of a a, a roster or starting eleven rather without him, yeah, you like Bedoy being out. Okay, I can I can find a replacement. Same with Martinez, Daniel. Maybe Daniel not this year as much. Um, when you had Finley in place, obviously you, you could kind of switch Klesnitz and Elliot out. But Elliot, uh, Wagner is the one mystery. Who who is behind that door? We don't really know. We don't really have ideas. Who's definitively his backup? You know, Matt Real has been obviously a big you know person of interest. Uh, you know, with some of the fans, but he's been playing so well. We haven't seen his backup <laughs> ever. So it's it's going to be one thing that um, will be a significant move. Once this, once that, that, like I said, once that shoe drops, but um, yeah. I, I can't wait. I, I just can't wait for every single week. Every single week is exciting, man. When are they going to lose it. again? Because it doesn't feel like ever sometimes <laughs> because the way they've been playing over these past no, really, yeah. five weeks. That's been an awesome time. Again, I'm just sort of saying like that, that Amnesty's back run, cut back, back toilet run really kickstarted this team, sort of success going forwards in the way perhaps the belief this team had in itself, you know. Again, that was sort of the tournament that Jose Martinez. You know, solidified himself as a starting as a starting six in this team. You know, Kai Wagner sort of, you know, started to get into his stride and create goals and became more of an influential part member and influential part of the team as well. So again, it's been an incredible two and a half years, been an incredible ride, and we're looking forward to seeing what not only what the next uh, you know, three, four months have in store before the season ends, but you know, what the next two, three years have in store as well. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. We only have about I think ten games left, right? Ten, eleven games. Yeah. 
I mean, the season's coming to a close, and now it's, you know, you're three points back from LAFC. The supporter shield is right there for the taking, and the Union have a schedule ahead of them that isn't terribly difficult. I mean, knock, no. you know, knock on wood, it's not terribly difficult once that, you know, the games do come by us, but I thought, man, we could win the supporter shield and make a, a final appearance. Holy cow, what a year that would be. It really would. I mean, someone for the record books. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be, again, just as a monumental year and something that would, you know, perhaps put the union up on the, on the same sort of level peg in terms of global recognition of, you know, LAFC, LA Galaxy, NYCFC, the Red Bulls into Miami, sort of that sort of level. If they can get there and they can do that, and because again, you see teams like Portland, Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders, they win these, they win the MS Spectre, yeah. they win the MS Cup, they win the Support Shield and things like that, but that sort of success, that that fame, you know, that recognition doesn't rarely ever sticks, and this is perhaps something that the union need to have to perhaps you know push themselves up into that category. You know, it's, again, know we sort of sit here, like you look at those teams that are in maybe big city markets, but even probably put Orlando City in there. But again, I'm not saying it's about the union, you know becoming as getting becoming on the same level as those teams in terms of a name, like, in terms of a name to sign big players. Just in terms of you know having that global recognition, some people discuss the MLS and just don't rattle off the same five or six teams that they've heard of because they're in the big cities. Let's just say the Philadelphia Union is one of those big teams where the Union get put into a discussion. They get bigger when people go visit Philadelphia. What's the, what are the main things they do? You know, they go they go sightsee, yeah. go watch an Eagles game, go watch a baseball game, go watch a 76ers game. They rarely probably ever go and watch a Union game, so just about the team. That's just the case, isn't it? Because Union aren't. Yeah. Seeing that's pedestal. If you go and watch an MS game in the USA, you probably go and watch those same five or six teams. Right. Game right. for the Union. Once they actually get to an MS, once they won an MLS Cup, you know, game there after that is to solidify themselves up in that big five or six team category where they are the national representation or the global representation of the league as opposed to being a big name amongst MLS circles. Listen, winning fixes everything, and you want a big name, that a big, you know, international signing. You start winning cups, you start winning shields. It doesn't matter if you're in Chester. You're going to get attention from players who want to play for Philadelphia, who want yeah. to play for Coach Curtin, and uh, or for Tanner because he they trust that Tanner's going to build around them. So, winning an MLS Cup uh, would be something that would be massive for the future. Which again, yeah. I, even just the academy, people wanted to go to the academy even more than they already do. Uh, it's man, it's, it's fun. Like I said, this whole walk down memory lane, um, this whole thinking of the future because of these the moves with Odata and, and Harris has been, you know, it's 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 just very eye opening when you really when you really yeah. take a step back and look at it. No, exactly. Um I think as you said it's sort of like a blast from the past looking back at what the team was and now again Adada is sort of a look into the future of what this team can become or what is becoming. Yeah. Um so again I think it's been a good a good pod, you know, to look back and look forward as well. I mean Again, as I've sort of said, the biggest aim for the union now is to after hopefully get that MLS Cup, whether it's this year or next year, is to then put themselves up in the same sort of name brand to names of you know Inter Miami, LAFC, LA Galaxy. Because once you're there, it doesn't matter about some big players. If you never sign big players, that's fair enough. That that doesn't matter. It's about being up alongside those teams, having that stature, and being. A, a flag waiver for the MLS on a global scale as yeah. opposed to a national and continental scale. 100%. It's all about growth, man. It's all about yeah. growth. But uh, 
speaking of growth, the Union are trying to grow their lead on the Eastern Conference. I know this Saturday they play against Cincinnati. Like I said, Harrisman Union's last MLS game against his former club. Um, yeah. Dave, I believe I'm covering that match, right? Yep, I'm way for yes. weaker. That's right. You're going to be going for a week. So yeah. we, this show will release on Friday. I'll probably get it out Friday morning or Friday afternoon at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be 730. The Union have won five straight games. They've been rolling. You know, they are the fourth highest scoring team in the league. They are the best yeah. team in the league in, in goals allowed in terms of defensive standpoint. So yeah. they're they're playing great. And um, okay. it's, been, it's been nice. It's been, trust me, the last two years covering this team have been – uh, very, you know, I've been very awesome. fortunate. Well, yeah, it's been awesome. Very fortunate to cover a team that has been as uh, on the rise as the Union have been. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been awesome, you know, just see the development, the rise of this team. And again, it's been incredible, you know, to actually be a part of the journey of covering the team on a weekly basis, yeah. covering matches, being able to sit there and listen to um, Jim Kerr and speak to the press and give his opinions and things. It's been an incredible journey. And we're, again, with the podcast as well, being able to, you know, actually voice out what we believe, what we think. And to actually you know, put it out there, it's been an incredible journey. Absolutely, man. All right, guys. Well, uh, this concludes our Tuesday pre-recorded show. We'll release it Friday afternoon. And uh, go Union. Go Union. Dupe.